Hello, and welcome to the Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm Mitch Bryan. And I'm John Engel. And today we're talking about minute number 52, which begins with the Nostromo continuing its liftoff and ends with the Nostromo ascending into the atmosphere. And we're joined again today by Tasha Robinson. How are you doing today, Tasha? Doing great. Thank you. Great. Should we just get right into the minute? Absolutely. All right. Well, a lot of model shots and a lot of people bouncing around in their chairs. Tasha, were these the same shots just reversed? from when they landed you said you went back and checked the landing scene so oh no it's really different from the landing scene one of the reasons i went back and checked the landing scene was like watching when you when you asked me to be on i watched the the five minutes that you sent me before going back and re-watching alien and one of the things that struck me most in this minute was just ripley's acting like the captain ripley's giving all the orders we keep focusing on ripley (laughs) and i kind of had a minute of it's not it wasn't like that in the landing and I went back in the landing, and we're much more focused on Dallas in the landing. Uh, there's a, there seems to be less like bouncing around in the chairs. I I'm curious. Do you, I, I assume you guys have like dug into the research a little more than I have. Do you have any idea if they're like shaking those chairs or shaking the camera or they're bouncing up and down? Like I'm wondering if it's a, like a Star Trek kind of thing, and they're just like you know throw yourself from side to side a little as we come down. Yeah, they were originally going to have these paint shakers that would actually shake the chairs, and they didn't work right. So ultimately, they had to have a couple of stagehands laying down under the chairs, physically shaking the chairs. And then they told the actors to bounce around a little more and help sell the gag to make it more effective. But it does make you wonder, what the hell is Dallas doing? Because you're right, Tasha, Ripley is totally in charge. She's, She's not on the radio calling for Antarctica. She's She's giving commands, and she's framed in a heroic up angle looking up at her. And we don't even see Dallas during this thing. Well, Dallas is in the background of the shot. So the shot you're talking about, she gets this hero shot. Her hand is in the foreground gripping some sort of control. And she gets this full hero shot. Well, he's out of focus in the background, just almost off frame. It's reminiscent to me a little bit of, you know, if somebody's injured and in in the passenger seat of a car and somebody's driving them somewhere, he's back there completely prostrate, not doing anything, not saying anything. He's never in the in the sound mix at all as far as giving – he's not adding anything to all the technical jargon we're getting from everyone else either. So it is very strange. It's it's odd that he's pushed back and, and given a completely different role than he had during the landing sequence. It's also nice to see Lambert involved in this. Like you really get a sense – Uh, Like kind of like of them as a crew, you know, not for the first time, not quite for the last time as we'll get to. But, uh, you know, Ash is very noticeably absent, kind of underlining like how he's not a part of this. But you really kind of get a sense of most of them in this moment. You know, it's not there's the one daredevil pilot who pulls them in and pulls them out. Like this is them all having to work together to accomplish something. And it's like it's nice that uh, like Ripley and Lambert both have central roles in addition to like the guys who are the engineers who are, you know, theoretically most responsible for what's going on here. Both versions of the script, as different as they are, make it really clear at the end of this ascendancy that it is a triumph for everybody, that this is a moment where the balloon goes up and things look good. And it is the one shared moment of triumph that this crew actually gets. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I went back and looked at the script, and I, I thought it was really interesting. I'm sure you guys got into this. Just 
how technical uh, the shooting script is versus what you actually see on the screen. There's just such a sense of, okay, we don't actually need them giving mathematical formulas, just you know, show them coming in. But you really get the sense of emotion here as, uh, you know, once again, they, they pull off something like fairly tricky that they're probably not used to doing much. Yeah, that line, spit on it, mm-hmm. seems like such a great Walter Hill kind of line. <laughs> yeah. Spit on it for two minutes. That's, I, I could just see Walter Hill, you know, in his teenage years hanging around with some gearheads and that kind of that kind of lingo being bannered about for sure. It's very Walter Hill. And it also just feels like a very natural, like, engineer thing to say. You know, you hear about things being held together with spit and duct tape or whatever. Mm. You know, he doesn't say, lock that down or, like, give an actual technical order. He, he basically just means hold it together however you can. Yeah, in, in Star Trek, we would get the, you know, rede- redirect power through the negative <laughs> something or yeah. another, which is great for Star Trek, where usually I'm trying to compare Alien to Star Trek. I'm actually showing this as a difference. It's definitely a difference. We're just getting the blue collar, like, point of view here and not trying to get too technical. And you're right about the script. It seems as though they did pull away from a lot of that stuff when they went to, I mean, maybe some of it was shot, maybe some of it was done ADR. And they just decided what should be kept and what shouldn't. And they're always trying to be pretty spare with the with the lingo. I was just going to say, it's just pretty accessible lingo. You know, uh, retract the struts. Like, even if you don't need an engineering degree to follow that. Artificial gravity, all these things that you understand, their practical application. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's much more relatable than a lot of the things you hear in the Star Trek or probably a lot of things in the script. Um, and do we see this as a little bit, Mitch, I think we were talking about this off mic earlier, a little bit of a Star Wars scene. This, I mean more, mostly with the score. The score is much more of an action-adventure score than we get through most of the movie. So is that also speaking to this idea that we're going to build them up to this big win so we get this victory for them in this moment? I think so. And I think they even cap it with the typical Parker-Brett bit, you know, on off-camera, but... When we fix something, it stays fixed. Right, yeah. baby? And Brett says, right. Which right. is going to take <laughs> us to the next time that they're all talking together. Have you have you talked about, like, I, I admit that I had not even thought of this. And the moment you said it, it just really falls into place. Have you talked about them as kind of a Han Solo Chewbacca pair? <laughs> I was just going to say that it's the walk in the park when it we fix it, it stays fixed. Feels almost like Han with his hand to the to the earpiece after he's just uh, you know shot those Tie Fighters and you're all clear, kid, you know kind of moment or or later after the Death Stars exploded, he does a yeehaw kind of thing, you know. It does feel like that, and I hadn't thought about it either till just this moment. So no, we haven't actually talked about that, but it's very interesting. Yeah, the whole scene feels if you if you take Ripley like Ripley's like power ascendancy out of the mix and just watch the two of them. It also kind of reminds me of uh, Han and Chewie pulling the Millennium Falcon out of the the mouth of the asteroid snake, like whatever the heck that thing was called. You know, there's this like moment of like frantic desperation and getting everything together. And then it's kind of like, yeah, you know, another daring escape. You know, you, but you mentioned something about that uh, Brett Parker dynamic. Do you want to talk about that now or do we want to wait for the next scene? Uh, that comes up in the next scene. Okay, good. That's really specific to some thing that happens in the in the next minute okay good um, one thing we could talk yeah. about though is uh, <laughs> uh this is something that my husband pointed out to me many many years ago possibly possibly when we were watching black hawk down 
and it just kind of pulled Ridley Scott together for me. The man is obsessed with particulate matter. It seems like all of his films have like some kind of obscuring fog or mist or dust, or I think in uh, Legend it's like flower petals. Um, there's something. There's always something flying through the air. And when I saw the first shot of this minute, like it's not the first time in the movie we see obscuring fog, obviously, but it just, it really hits home how much. And he's talked very openly about how he used fog in shots like this to hide the cheap set and how bad it looked. But you see the the Nostromo just like slowly taking off through like the thick foggy atmosphere and the running lights underneath it, and it looks so cool. Cool. <laughs> and it's it's a terrible set and a model and a, and a whole bunch of fog to kind of cover it over. And it just I really get a sense in this moment for his um, his ingenuity in creating like really cool visuals out of <laughs> spit and duct tape, basically. Yeah, definitely. There's a there's one shot of the ship that's a little dodgy, and until you see those running lights, you don't get any real sense of motion. And then those lights kind of come up and they hit that mist and it comes to life it's really interesting yeah all of a sudden it looks like a really grubby version of close encounters yeah yeah all, the, all of the color leached out you know just this like dull gray version of you know what spielberg's film become very very colorful but it's that same dynamic of these like vivid bright lights illuminating this like dark looming shade all right uh tasha you want to tell us again where we can find you on the internet Sure. You can find me uh, writing about film at TheVerge.com. You can hear me talking about film with a bunch of uh, people from The Dissolve at the Next Picture Show podcast. Um, that's on Twitter at Next Picture Pod. It's on Tumblr and Facebook at Next Picture Show. And you can find me personally on Twitter at Tasha Robinson. And you can find us at AlienMinute.com or follow us on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. Uh, please think about subscribing to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. We also have a Facebook page if you want to jump in and become part of the discussion. Uh, feel free to visit us there. It's uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash AlienMinute. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow for minute number 53.